950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Michael Broadcorp, not only is he an expert at political conversation here in Minnesota, especially from the Republican side, but he's also been our Vikings correspondent. He is kind enough today to join us. And uh, what I, I sure did not want you on the air on Monday. I'm glad we had the New Year's Day because I cannot imagine Monday would you would have been in a good mood to talk about what exactly happened last week. And Michael Broadcorp is here to talk about Vikings. Hi, Michael. It, yes, great to be here. It was tough. My wife, I'm married to a, uh, a Green Bay Packer fan, um, and she's the worst type of Vikings Packers fan in the sense that she just she just wants both teams to have a fun time. She wants to be it to be a good game. It was not a good game. It was not an enjoyable experience, and the Vikings lost. And uh, this is where we're at today. I'm coming off a Packer loss. Not a good time to be a Vikings Vikings fan. I I would drove. I drive a, a kid over to a sleepover in Wisconsin uh, at a cabin for a few days. And so I was in Wisconsin. All of a sudden, it dawned on me it's three o'clock on on New Year's Ooh. Eve. I said, "I'm in Wisconsin on New Year's Eve, and the Packers play at night." I said, "I need to get the hell out of this state. You know, I <laughs> just need to get out of there before chaos ensued." I imagine it did. Thirty-three ten was the final there as the Packers won. But you and I talked last Friday about the fact that this game was exactly what we thought it was going to be. It was a, it was an audition for Jaron Hall to go see if if the Vikings did indeed have a backup quarterback that could come in in the future uh and 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 be there in case what if if next year a similar situation happens where the starter goes out, correct? Correct. Correct, it, that's what happened and he did such and, and where we're at is that Nick Mullins is starting on Sunday. That's um <laughs> yes, working uh, that's where he is uh, right now. Is, is that Nick Mullins will start on Sunday. So it was just not a good performance uh, by Jared Hall, and, and it was not a good experience for the Vikings and the fans based on the score. Nick Mullins came in. He did move the ball pretty well, uh, but just was not in a position to win the game and come back closely. So I think I think the Vikings' leadership, I think the head coach made a good decision in having Nick Mullins come in and start on a Sunday for the final game against the Detroit Lions. Um, and, and so I think that was the best the best move for – uh, O'Connell will make, and he did, and that's where we're at coming in Sunday with another, a different starting quarterback. Uh, Mullins has been in the rotation, but this is a different starting quarterback, and we'll see how it goes on Sunday. Uh, Hall, 5 of 10, 67 yards. Uh, his QBR was 1.1. To give you an idea, Jordan Love, who is, you know, that Packer team is not nearly as good as as, as they try to make themselves out to be, but they beat us, but uh, Jordan Love's QBR was 82.7, so that tells you a lot there. So it's not Hall. Yeah. <laughs> and Mullins, Mullins came in, and he, you know, he was, what, 13 for 22, so 500 basically, 113 yards. He did get a touchdown. But it's it's clear, Dobbs, Mullins, Hall, none of these guys is worthwhile for us to consider for a backup quarterback in the future. Is that a, is that a, a safe assessment? Correct. I mean, I think that no one has dazzled. I think that... I think it's fair to say that you know you know Dobbs did some good things in you know a couple games, but this is it's clearly been shown in the last few games that no one I think has really in the last the last few games that no one has really risen to the occasion. I think that we've had uh, there's been a heavy rotation in the quarterback spot. We haven't seen stability. We haven't seen someone rise to the occasion and kind of cement that role in any type of way. Even I mean there is a possibility. As we discussed, when this kind of started, when we, we were in the very early stages of 
dealing with the aftermath of Cousins' injury, was there going to be someone that was going to come in and potentially compete for Cousins for that job? And it was pretty clear after the first couple games uh, that Cousins was in a strong position and that he would be in a good position if he wanted to come back. But now we've gotten into an even a week, I think a weaker position where um, where we just it's pretty clear that we need a strong QB. We don't have it. And right now, I think what's being played out is who's going to be the most qualified backup yeah. for uh, the quarterback that comes in because we can't start the season next year with any of the quarterbacks that have been playing in the last you know, six, eight, eight, six to eight games. You know, there was an interesting element. Uh, I saw an analysis of the Vikings, and they said the, the, one of the problems that they were having was that, I mean, Cousins has a strong arm and he has accuracy and he can throw downfield with shocking ability. And the Vikings, I mean, Dobbs was different, but Dobbs was only different because he was scrambling for his life. You know, that that the yeah. Vikings themselves, the game plan that they put into place for Mullins, for Hall, for Dobbs, really was the Cousins version with maybe one or two tweaks. And that that if you're going to go with someone who doesn't have the arm strength or the accuracy of Cousins, why in the hell are you doing a game plan that is got geared towards a guy like that? Correct, and there, and I think you've you've been spot on about that. I, the, the play calling hasn't matched up with the, with the strengths and or weaknesses of who's in the QB spot, and I think we've seen that. We've seen a, a high number of inter- interceptions, some just some bad passes, some bad kind of in the pocket decisions, and so um, we haven't found that groove. We had a little bit of success in the Atlanta game, then the follow up game, um, there was some success, but we haven't been able to find that groove. And um, there's just I, there's no other way to describe it that I think the Vikings are just limping in. Uh, to the final game of the season. There is, a, I think, a less than 5% chance. I think I looked, it was around 3% chance of them making the playoffs. They could still make the playoffs uh, as a, right now they're 7-9, and nine, as an 8-9 and nine team. Um, they could make the playoffs. It's A lot of things have to happen. But the QB position and, uh, you know, I also will just raise the concern that if this situation to, were to repeat itself next season, and if we had a strong Cousins, it's pretty clear that we have we have to, we have to, we have to make two decisions in the quarterback position. Number one, who's going to be the starting quarterback next year for the Minnesota Vikings, and who is going to be the qualified backup quarterback? And I think we saw in this particular situation this season the need to having a strong backup quarterback. There needs to be a redundancy system in place for the Vikings in the quarterback position. And I think we have a lot of QB questions that need to be answered because aside from figuring out who's going to be the starter, I really think we need to figure out who's going to be the backup. And, you know, there's a lot of years where we, the Vikings have had a quarterback position where they're the quarter, the back, the, who the backup was, you'd like to be in the situation, Matt, I think all NFL's team would be is that the backup is just that the backup. They're the, they're the, they're, they're just the backup. You don't, you don't know who they are and they're not as, they're holding the clipboard. A part of the game plan. Yeah, but it's pretty clear that this season that we need to have both a strong quarterback and a strong backup because um, what happened this season has shown that we've had weaknesses in both. Some I, I, when I heard that argument about the fact that they didn't change the game plan for these other quarterbacks, the first thing that I thought about in my mind is: Are the Vikings tipping their hand that they're basically that Cousins is coming back? Cousins is, you know, they, they feel as if Cousins is going to be there. And so they basically said, we're just not going to, you know, change everything. And we want these players, we want the linemen, we want the receivers, we want the defense, we want everyone to play the same exact way because, frankly, come preseason next year, it's it's Cousins' teams again. I mean, is is that 
you know, is that one way? Uh, I mean, I'm not crazy to take it that way. Is that the fact that they didn't change their game plan really is, is the Vikings screaming at the top of their lungs, no matter what we're signing Cousins? I think it could be, yes. I mean, I mean, let's just talk about, I think Kirk Cousins has done everything he can to show that he's committed to this Vikings franchise, including showing up to the last game and blowing the horn with the shirt off. Um, and which was just, and so I think he's really become, um, a, he's really renewed himself and, and he's been in the attention span of the Vikings. He's made sure, he's made sure to be part of the community, part of the fan experience. Um, and there are not, you know, his, and his presence there, I think he's indicate, I think he's doing everything he can that he shows that he wants to be here. And I think you raise a very astute point about the Vikings game plan and how they're structuring it right now. To, to telegraph that they want Cousins here. I would be very surprised, Matt, mm-hmm. as we're coming into Week 18, as we've entered Week 18, the final weekend of the se- weekend of the NFL season. I will say to you, for probably in the most confident way, I would be surprised if Cousins is not back. I would be surprised if it, that there's just not an opportunity or there's not, because I think both sides have indicated, or at least showing, at least to me, uh, the amateur in the cheap seats that there's a willingness that they want to continue the dance a little bit. I'd be surprised if he wasn't here. Okay. I really would. Uh, is it like what you talked like last week? I mean, okay, so you go into the draft. You, in, in, as far as the la- the lackluster running game, find someone on the free agent market, get them in here in the off season. But look at your your you know clearly because of cousins, and we have to take into account he's coming off a major injury. So there's there is a likelihood he might miss a few games. Go on out there and find the QB of the future for the team in the draft. Get them in there. You think that that is possibly their game plan they're looking ahead toward when the draft comes through? I got to tell you, that's where I think it's at. I think that we've really seen over the last, you know, what, you know, how many games where we've been rotating the QB position shown a real lack of uh, strength in that backup position. And this, this team needs an anchor, it need, and it needs an anchor in that QB position. And, you know, best case scenario is that we're going to get a, uh, a, a repaired Kurt Cousins in, in some form next season. That, that can, you know, can, is he going to have the same mobility? Is he going to have the same ability to scramble and move across the field and do those types of things? There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of ifs there with, with Cousins right now. Assuming all that goes well, he's not the long-term solution for the Minnesota Vikings in terms of four or five years down the road. And, it's pretty clear that that our bench is light on the QB position. So I think, I think it makes sense right now that that's where they go. It's the really the biggest hole. I mean, the Vikings uh, have some open pores right now, but the most immediate band aid that needs to be solved is the QB position. Then we can get to the running back and get to some other other places that we need to go. But the QB right now is what has dominated the this season and the instability in that position, and that needs to be fixed in the off season and it needs to be a priority. Uh, I'm going to bring this up. I'm sorry. I'm going to just, I'm, I'm from the get go. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, my friend, two and six at home. I don't care which team you are. That's unacceptable. You can't go two and six that's, at home. That's God awful. Yes. And as, as someone who is, I mean, you know, has had season tickets and my family's had season tickets, uh, a lot of history going to games. It's been a very rough season yes. for Vikings fans. Yes. I will also say to you, Matt, uh, and I was coming on and I was trying to think, what's the best way I can frame up the season? And I've come to this and say, the best experience inside of going to some games with some family members and continuing the tradition that my grandfather and my father started uh, is having these experiences and these opportunities to talk with you. Uh, there's been some really ugly games 
really ugly games. And the game day experience this season at U.S. Bank, while it's a lovely stadium and it's a great crowd, boy, it's been an ugly game day experience. And that's been a real, a real, it's really real tough, particularly after what happened last year to have a two, two and six record at home. That's something that the Vikings fans are not used to. Um, and it's been a pretty rough experience. And it's something that I've talked about on the podcast with you before on our, on our radio discussion before is, and I've heard this on a lot of other podcasts and other analysts talk about this, that the Vikings games that have happened at home, particularly at home this year, have been really bad games. And it's the two and six record, I think, doesn't necessarily, that's a bad mathematical setup. But those, those, those six losses at home, those were some very tough games, some ugly games. Yes. And the fan experience has been tough this year. Very, been very tough this year. Uh, Detroit, uh, final game at Detroit here. Uh, the question is, is how long does Detroit play their starters? I think they're pretty much convinced that they're, that's they're going to be the three seed. I, I think they got a chance still to be the one seed. Uh, I'm not sure how how big that is, but I think most people are expecting that the the, the Lions starters are going to be out there for maybe a quarter, maybe two, and then that's going to be the end of it. Uh, does that give the Vikings a chance to win this game, do you think? I think it does. I think it does. I mean, the, the Detroit has, you know, there is, a, there is a path for the – it's a difficult path, particularly after what happened in Dallas. There's a, it's a pretty, pretty difficult path. And I don't know long-term what, what would be the benefits. I think a lot of things have to come into play for Detroit's team uh, to go up and, and get that number one seed. And so I think they're, they're pretty in a, a good spot in the number, where they are right now. I don't see the benefit of them playing um, playing their starters and engaging. I think this could be a game that, that they don't need to win. Um, that certainly doesn't have – they've locked in the central – they've locked in the – see, I almost said it there again. They've locked in the NFC North um, for the first time in, in like, what, 30 years. They've locked it in. And so this they, they're, they're in the playoffs. The Vikings need to win this game. And so I think, you know, it'd be smart for them to sit some of their players, and, and uh, we'll see. But they're coming off a very tough game in oh. Dallas. I don't, I, have, take, I, I, wanna, few, I don't want to take their side, but they got screwed. I mean, clearly the guy checked in. And, I mean, and as a matter of fact, my, my son was watching the game, and he said, this is their design play. The guy checked in. Two point conversion to go for the win. Although we can have when it came to the third time for that two point conversion, I think at that point you say just get the kicking team out there and kick the damn thing. But you know that aside, I think Detroit got screwed, and I say that as a after Detroit taunted the fans here in Minnesota. I'm not a fan of Detroit, but that was a bad call. I would completely agree with you. I'm not a fan of Detroit. Uh, they uh, they absolutely, but they absolutely got hosed on that call. There's no question about it, and. I have a feeling that that they could. They're going to be a. I think the most dangerous team right now in the in the playoffs is are the Detroit Lions. They have. They're coming in. I think they got a trip on their shoulder. They're angry about that game in Dallas. Their fan base is energized. Their coaching staff is energized. The players are energized, and they have a kind of us versus them mentality right now. And what they've done in the NFC North, uh, the historical kind of move that they made this season, they're very dangerous. A very dangerous team. That being said. I think it would have been better if they would have won in Dallas, and I think they would have been in a much more comfortable position to let this game go on Sunday. I think they're going to have, independent of whether it's the starters uh, or you know uh, starters or not, depending on what percentage, Vikings got to come out and play. But I think Dallas, I mean, I think Detroit's going to be in a strong position, and it's the like it's obviously statistically in order for the Vikings to make the playoffs, they have to win against Detroit, 
which isn't an easy task, but they have to win. And then a series of things have to happen for them to, to make the playoffs, which I'm ready to articulate when you, when you give me that space. All right, go because the Packers have to lose, correct? Yes, the Vikings need to win at Detroit. Seattle must lose at Arizona, and the Packers must lose to the Bears. Or So those three ands have to happen. The Vikings have to win, the Seahawks have to lose, and the Packers need to lose to the Bears. Um, and then there needs to be one of these two things happen. St. Louis needs to lose to the Atlanta Falcons, or uh, the Bucks lose at Carolina. So the Vikings, three, gar- three things have to happen, and then a combination of two others. And right now, those chances I just checked, 3% yes. is the chances of the Vikings to make the playoffs. So you're telling me there's a chance, uh, but I'll be cheering on the Vikings on Sunday at home. But it's, 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 a, it's a tough road. It's a tough road for them to make the playoffs. I will say this. Okay, so uh, here's our game plan. Uh, next Friday, you're back. We'll, get, we'll do a playoff preview. We're going to presume Sands Vikes. Uh, but we'll do a playoff preview. We'll do your picks on this. And then for sure, and one thing I did not mention to you, right before the Super Bowl, we got to have you back on and kind of give you your thoughts on that game as well, okay? Of course, sir. All right. Michael, uh, one quick question, if I can, about politics, because you are such a smart mind on politics. And I had someone ask me this question. Minnesota 7. Michelle Fishbach is up there. She should be the the, the incumbent. She shouldn't have any problem. But there, are, there's this guy. Is it Boyd who's up there? Who's a Republican challenging her in the primary, and that he's going the real far MAGA route? Now, if that's going to play in any district, Minnesota Seven's the one. Uh, it, it, she's not in trouble, is she? No, I, I think that there's been, you know, uh, Congresswoman Fishbach is not in any trouble. She, she, you know, beat Colin Peterson, uh, which was a great victory on the in the Republican side, a big win. You know, there's always going to be some inter, inter-party contests, and this is one that's kind of festered up. I, I have no concern that she's vulnerable in the, in the endorsement process or vulnerable in, in, the, in the general election. Uh, great organization, great farm team, uh, great development team up there that are just, you know, working with the activists and stuff. But that's a good conservative district for Republicans. And so it's not surprising. Uh, you know, the de- there are members. You know, uh, for example, you know, Congresswoman Omar has has got a couple challengers running against her. In, in, in you know these types of in, in these types of strong partisan races, where there's one political party that has a real strong kind of good position on the seat, you sometimes see these inter-party challenges that happen. But I, I think it's it's not a significant challenge to uh, to Fishbach. I think she's got a great organization, great political team, and you know, um, I think. She's in a very strong position, both to get endorsed and to win the general election. And as we, you know, you you may have discussed on another show, but she and four members of Minnesota's congressional delegation just came out in in support of Donald Trump's candidacy for presidency. I think that just looking at the map politically in the state and knowing a lot of the Republican activists, Seventh Congressional District is a strong Trump district. It's a strong area of the state for his camp, his former his campaign, and what's going on right now. And so. I think she's aligned herself in, in a good position to uh, be endorsed quite handily and win her seat uh, for re-election. Oh, it was a profile in Courage watching Tom Emmer make that endorsement after Trump torpedoed his speaker bit. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah, profile in Courage from Tom Emmer. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, and I get it. The guy's going ultra MAGA. I still don't think it's going to be enough to knock off Fishbach up there. So we'll talk more politics. We'll talk more politics throughout the year for sure. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, Michael, as always, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next Friday.
Sounds great. I hope we'll be in good spirits. We'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. Uh, we'll take a break. Come on back. Some music on a Friday. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.